What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Fly Sweet Podcast. Jose, we made it. Episode two. Mama, we made it! Before we get too far into the episode, we just want to give a big shout out to the Unwrapped Sports Network, partnered with us, and we have a bunch of different podcasts just like this one that are team-specific, as well as the NFL, NBA, NCAA, UFC, and even fantasy football podcasts. Go over to unwrappedsports.com. Go check them out. All right, so one thing I think we missed and uh, probably should have gone over last time in our first episode was the the title. Uh, I think that brought a little confusion to some people. So the big part of why we came up with the Fly Sweet podcast was, you know, we really don't want to get sued. That was a big part of it. Like anything, your like commitment to excellence about the Raiders, like, well... Maybe that's not the best idea because at the end of the day, we don't want to set ourselves up for something like that. And then Jose mentioned the fly sweep. I ran the fly sweep in college for a year. So we went with it. Uh, you got any like any more insights, Jose? Oh, just about me and you can pretty much break the game down pretty vividly. I mean, not trying to say like, oh, we're experts, but like I, I'd like to think we're a little more we stand out among the pack, you know, we can talk a little more X's and O's and talk about ideal, uh, like strategies and such. So I think, I think that's pretty much a good point. And then also we could touch up on other things that aren't like a hundred percent strict, just Raiders. Cause you know, it's, yeah. it's like fun to talk ball in general. And it's, it's just a shame if it's just a hundred percent, just one category, one topic. Absolutely. Yeah. And like we said last time we got our Twitter up now at Sweetfly on Twitter um, Gmail is flysweetpod.gmail.com. Email us, DM us, DM Jose or I, DM the podcast, Twitter, send us an email or whatever you need to do. Whatever you guys want to hear, we want to make you guys as incorporated into this episode, into these episodes as possible. But yeah, first things first, last Friday, Carl Joseph's uh, fifth year option, the chance to tr- pick it up passed and the Raiders passed on it. Um, I wrote an article, shout out to the Raider Ramble. Uh, go and check those out for all your Raider needs. Um, and uh, I knew my opinion wasn't going to be popular. Definitely did not expect the uh, avalanche was going on. Last week we talked about Jose uh, taking it from the silver and black faithful. And uh, this whoa, whoa, week Matt, 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 you didn't expect an avalanche to come on you when That's you were uh, talking about something that sounds negative in Raider Nation? <gasps> That's true. We Gasp. do. We do have some passionate people who... Like, I had one guy comment on there, this is an opinion. I'm like, yeah, I make that pretty clear in the article. <laughs> I mean, like, every article piece is an opinion, but, yeah. man, Raider fans are passionate. That's what, I, that's what I love about them. That's what we it, love them. It's always something to talk about, and that's yeah, better something absolutely. to talk about than nothing. So go ahead, Matt. Continue well, yeah. on this amazing piece of yours that riled them up. <laughs> yeah. So basically, my article is based on two things, on a high level. Obviously, there are two options with uh, Carl Joseph. The first is that he's on the team. The second is that he's not. Um, If he's going to be on the team, obviously opting in makes sense. It gives you more time to negotiate that long-term deal. It gives you an extra year automatically. He's under contract, keeping on. So obviously, if he's in the future plans, obviously they keep him. You know, with drafting um, Jonathan Abram, he might not be in the plans and whatnot, and who knows what's going forward. And then even if that's not the case, even if Carl's not in your future plans, which, I mean, we'll get on that topic a little bit later, but even if he's not in your future plans, you still opt in because then 
the logical thing is he's going to leave, so you want to trade him. What's going to make Carl Joseph's trade value higher is the fact that he has two years on a contract versus one. I look back at like the Amari Cooper trade, and part of what made Amari Cooper so valuable to the Cowboys is the fact that the Raiders opted into that fifth-year option, and the Cowboys could use him for two years instead of, or for one and a half years, if you will, instead of just the half. I mean, that's basically what I what I pointed out. I know there are plenty of opposing views. I know what I'm saying. There's plenty of risk involved. I know, Jose, you got a little bit of a different opinion, so I got to hear it, man. What's what's What am I doing wrong? We did agree on talking about if you're going to move on from Carl Joseph, ideally trade him. Don't let him walk for nothing. You know, you figure, like, who cares? Get a six-round pick, which is most likely his value. Um, and if you do a fifth-year option, you, you opt into that, then at that point, you're telling a team, look, you have control over his rookie contract over this long. It's not hefty, but it's also not cheap, but it's better than nothing. Um, however, a counter to that that someone po- posted to me on Twitter, uh, I, I forgot who, said that, that that's that's a, that's a good point. However, it's not like something – it's not like Carl Joseph has shown himself to be such a promising safety and that's not saying he 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 still won't be because he he's still he's he's pretty cool with safety. Yeah. I'm not gonna say he's that great, but I'm not no. gonna say he's bad either. So and I'm not trying to know. say Carl's some sort of All Pro Pro Bowl player. Oh no, of course not. For sure. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's, it's all good. Um, but yeah, dude, with Carl Joseph, it's because pretty much you think like, are you really gonna opt in and then try to bank on him actually having a proficient year that somehow builds his value? When you already know you have a crowded safety room and he's not gonna, he's not gonna have much of an impact, or you don't think he is. So you know why run the risk? Because then you're stuck with that contract, and then you're paying all this money to him, and it's like great. Now we're we're still gonna cut you. So might as well just say, you know what? If you play well, we'll try to trade you the rest of this year somehow, which is probably not likely. But you know you just stay away from that. So that's probably a good counter that I saw, and now it's kind of swayed my opinion. Um, on this sense, um, absolutely, they got to get away from Carl Joseph now, dude. It's, it's Jonathan Abrams now. You don't draft Jonathan Abrams at 27th overall, and you're going to still keep Carl Joseph. Um, they're both the player styles are very similar, obviously. The n- one is not much taller than the other. Um, if anything, I feel like from just what, from my scene, and I still want to see more, because um, I didn't really watch him much when college football season was going. I've only seen it from just like a total of like, you know, like 20 minutes worth of like tape and some highlights and such. Um, I think Abrams plays a, has like more more upside in terms of coverage. And just because of I think he's a little more quicker because uh, Joseph, obviously, he has the better hits. And Abrams is still going to knock you out. He's still going to be a good box safety. But I just think they're banking on his upside that he can do more. They can do more, and then knowing a Paul Gunther, how great hit that guy values versatility. You know, you signed Marcus Gilchrist last year to be versatile. You know, you have Lamarcus Joyner this year, and you have, you know, Carl Joseph who can kind of play the both ends. So, and that's yeah. how I think he's kind of view it. So Jonathan Abrams is a new guy. You just, just get rid of Carl Joseph at this point, dude. I, and I like the guy. I really wish he he would have panned out, but it's he's pretty much his fate with the silver and black is sealed and shut. And my thought process or my counter to that is. Okay, like, yeah, we kind of have Jonathan Abram, and, you know, I mean, we talked about last time how I feel about that pick, and I think that plays in part, in my opinion, in this, and not in declining Carl Joseph's fifth-year option, is that I don't trust Abram as much. Part of it's because he's a rookie. You know, I hope at the end of the day, he ends up making me eat crow, and he ends up playing well, 
And if that's the case, then sure, like, you know, it's not going to be terribly big of a deal that they didn't uh, accept Carl Joseph's fifth year. But my point, too, is give us a two-year run. Give yourself a sample size of two instead of one. Let's see who's better between Carl and uh, Jonathan Abram. Figure it out from there is the biggest part of that, too. And I mean, as far as Carl's being compensated, I know you mentioned like he's not like a elite safety. The fifth year option is projected about 6.2 for Carl. That was the projection that I found on CBS. Um, obviously, there's no hard number since that number was never actually negotiated. So it can vary from there. But then when I looked at it, okay, I looked at what other safeties are getting paid $6.2 million. You got Jarquiski Tart from the Niners, who's getting paid six and a half. And I know both of us believe in the PFF grading system. Yeah. Jarquiski Tart, his best PFF grade is seventy is seventy eight point six. His worst is fifty seven point five. For comparison, Carl Joseph, his best is seventy four point five, and worst is sixty seven point six. And then after Tart comes in Quandry Diggs, who's six point two million, who's making six point two million, so it would be the same as Joseph. And his best is seventy three point four. Worse, 54.2. So, I mean, Carl's better is better, and his worse is better. And then Micah Hyde's the one outlier in the group where Micah Hyde's making $6.1 million and outplaying his contract. High 80s grades in both the last two years for PFF. And then there's TJ McDonald, again, making $6 million with the with a best grade of 70 and a half and a worse of 54.8. And so, again, like $6.2 million seems like that's just Carl's market value, like, and at the end of the day, like I looked it up on over the cap, the Raiders have 58 million in cap space right now. And for perspective, they started the year, they started the offseason with 78, so they netted negative 20. So even if they do end up eating Carl Joseph's contract and they have to take it all in dead cap, they're still going to have 52 million to play with. That was the biggest thing for me is like it's just a matter of how much risk you want to take. And when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the $6.2 million. That's almost chump change in the NFL today. And if I end up having to eat that, yeah, that's not ideal. But at least I give myself that buffer. And at least I give myself two years to figure out who's better between Abram and Joseph instead of just the one. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's not just strictly about we got to eat this cap and why it's about why we're going to waste a roster spot when we know that he's not the guy anymore. Why are we going to waste? We got we already have his this guy. It's Jonathan Abrams. We think he's better. He is going to be better. We're and done with Carl Joseph. But and then that's my other end of it is, too, is like, OK, if you are going to move on to him, it goes back to having two years on a contract, being on the trade market versus one like yeah. But he's we more, already seen so much of Carl Joseph, though, Matt. He's this is gonna be what his fourth year now, and he's gonna enter his fifth next year. We've he already has enough tape, and he hasn't really shown much development. And I know there's been like a there's change in systems and stuff like that, which obvious, which to me, I don't think changing in systems necessarily dictates dramatically how a secondary player, a corner, or a safety should develop. We've seen all we have from him, man. It's if you're already three years in and you really haven't shown. You've shown little to no growth, and, and like I said, in 2017, he but took see, I'm gonna back, have to disagree with, with you. Tackles. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I mean, if we're looking at that grading system, like he's on the rise. He's got he got better last year. He was at the 67 mark two two years in a row, which isn't terrible for a rookie. You'd like to see a little bit better as of a, out of a second year player, but 74 and a half grade as a third year player isn't bad, especially when it's a like 10 point improvement. And I I mean. I guess I get it again, and it's just like there's 
got to be a trade market for Carl Joseph if you really want to make it happen. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't get how there's not a trade market for a 26-year-old with two years left on a contract. Like, Well, not right now. If he plays, if it's like six weeks into the system with the week or two left um, left, left in the season, I mean, left before the, dra- the trade deadline, then, you know, people can be interested. Like, oh, we, we could use some depth. We yeah. lost someone, injuries exactly. happened, then boom, he, he could be worth like a sixth, maybe even fifth rounder. And I would take that in a heartbeat, especially a fifth rounder. So, but doesn't, but I'm, that's what I'm part of what I'm saying. And I'm like, I'm not saying the trade has to happen now. I'm saying like the difference between that fifth and sixth rounder could very well be an extra year on the contract or even a fourth rounder. I mean, I go back and I look at what uh, gold, with Golden Tate and Amari Cooper. Golden Tate is the much better player if we're taking him and Amari Cooper. Now Cooper's younger and had an extra year on his contract. So you get a first round pick for Cooper, whereas Golden Tate's going to get those for a third round pick. And it's just, I, I get that they want to move on. Like I get that philosophy. It's just to me, like, why not give yourself more leverage? And at the end of the day, like, yeah, it eats, like I said, yeah, it eats cap space. Maybe you end up having a, paying a guy $6 million to ride the bench. And yeah, there is that risk involved. But I don't know. Personally, that's just the risk I'm willing to take to ensure that I, can, I get the best players available. Because at the end of the day, we really don't know what we have in Jonathan Avery. Well, of course, he's a rookie. Yeah. But obviously, whatever they've seen from him, they believe in him more. And what they saw from Joseph last year and tapes from years prior is not For enough. Sure. And they'd rather – they feel like Abram's the better the better Carl Joseph. And so yeah. that's pretty much no. – they don't – it's all about banking on upside. So that's that's clearly who they believe in, which I was surprised. I was like, wow, I didn't think they viewed it that badly. But apparently they did. So it'll be interesting. to see, you, You're saying two years? Well, just because he's not on the team doesn't mean we still can't look at that. No, and I mean. Sure. So it's still going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt, let's transition on to our next topic. Mr. Incognito. Is, uh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. When the Raiders brought guard, former, well, former, I don't even know if he's technically, you could say he's retired anymore. Well, well he, let's just say he's currently, currently retired offensive guard. Yeah, he retired, retired unretired. He, the Brett Favre. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The little, the little flims, flimsy back and forth. And both um, have issues with cell phones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Incognito's issues is ex- exponentially worse. But well, yes, yeah. This but, was, that was a kind of a hard. Um, I'm not gonna say I, I had a harsh reaction to, you know, just bringing him for a visit or a workout. You know, it's it's not so much to to have such a strong reaction. But to, to me, I thought bringing in Richie Incognito, it's like, didn't you guys like less than a week ago just said. From the draft, you know, we've been looking for a high character guys with good upside and like just clean records, good people, just good people, good players with so much potential. And you're going to bring in this 35 year old guy who's missed a year of football with a trash bag for a resume and a history. This guy has like dirt and stains all over it. And, you know, yeah, I'm I mean, watching NFL Network or so, I forgot what I was watching. It's like, you need some of those bullies. I'm like, well, <laughs> shoot, yeah. That, apparently Jonathan Martin didn't like that. But, um, yeah. no, dude, I mean, it's just this guy's like, stemming from issues back in, like, August or September about, like, he threatened to, you know, he said he was going to 
beat someone up or kill someone. I don't want to like use precise words because I don't remember exactly. But and now he's being under investigation. Yeah, he's being under investigation now. So it's like, why you how you bringing all this baggage? You don't you're not that desperate to fill in the guard position, guys. Like you're if that was such a big deal, why don't you just try to find trap one or just find a you know training camp? Just figure it out. Someone's gonna get cut when someone's weeded them out, then plug them in your system and try to develop them. But then again, if you have Tom Cable as your offensive line coach, do you really trust him developing, you know, anyone? So that's a whole different point. But I did, I thought that was such a failure, especially after readings, um, Vic Tafer and Mike Silver saying like, it's pretty much was a lock that he was going to get signed. And then the news of his investigation. So the Raiders don't want to pull Martavis Bryant. It's like, yeah. well, now you're getting suspended and we just signed you. And gave you all these reps for no goddamn reason. So overall, yeah. I'm glad that happened because now you just you, you dodged a bullet. It's not a big bullet, but it's like why waste your time, 35 year old problem player, when you could just plug someone else, Denzel Good, or just find someone else. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It didn't really make sense to me. No, I mean the two incidents you're talking about. Um, I think it was last year. One was Richie Incognito was at a funeral home. And yeah, yeah, that was the was one. Like, yeah, I was going to threaten to shoot the place and then apparently had a uh, plethora of guns at his apartment. And then the other one was he was at like a gym and threw a dumbbell at somebody, which we got to figure out how big that dumbbell was. <laughs> like, are we talking a 50 or like a 75? Maybe it was just a, you know, just a five pounder. Just but, eh. Hey, take that. He just threw, like, a Frisbee. I mean, I know, like, that... I'm not trying to, like, defend him, per se, about what he said about shooting that funeral home or whatever he said. Um, obviously, he was going through it because his dad had just died. Yeah, he was, you, know, I, you know, I can't I can't relate to that, and I'll, I'll sympathize with anyone who, you know, who's going through that, and I'm not trying to, once again, say defend him for that, but... There's it's a like, really, line that you just... Don't really yeah, like yeah. threatening it's, it's, to shoot somebody is a, like I understand you're going through pain and but threatening to shoot somebody's a little bit taking it too far. And is football really what you still need at this point in your life, man? Like, I mean, uh, maybe like yeah, like that's a good bigger point. things you need to get. Help. I mean, once again, I'm not gonna say like I know everything, but I mean, I, I don't know. There's just so many, there's just so many variables involved in just signing him that could feels like it could like damage the locker room more so if anything exactly. than actually prop them up. So it's, I, it's just, I don't know. I don't know, Matt, maybe I'm the one that's tripping here. No, I, I mean, I wrote down, I'll go through my notes on Richie incognito. He turns 36 in July. Oh, maybe even worse. He got kicked out of Nebraska. Nice. He got kicked out of Oregon. And How did he get I, kicked out of Nebraska? <laughs> what the hell? Dude, it, it, get, what the <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to speak on it too much, but basically, it was like the pre Richie Incognito actions. Oh my God, dude, that's the, hilarious. Enigma got, got his. I got his right, start. Continue, man. That was just funny to me. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Well, it gets better because he went to Oregon, and I don't even think he made it on the field because he got kicked out at Oregon for failing to meet the team rules uh, as a part of his transfer. Yeah. Um, and then he was obviously suspended in 2013 for the whole bullying scandal, um, all that stuff with Jonathan Martin, and then. Accused of racial slurs in 2017 by Yannick Ngakwe. That's probably not a great, good look. Uh, in 2018, had a contract and retiring fiasco with the Bills. And it was a, a total event. Like, you want to talk about, like, AB being a drama queen? That situation was pretty drama queen. And then he eventually got released from the Bills. He's been a free agent, but no one else has wanted him. There's a reason for that. All those that I just talked about, 
He's 36 in July. He's been kicked out of two programs before he even made to the NFL and then got kicked out of two more. And you want to bring that into a young locker room? Uh, I don't know about that one, Chucky. But, Matt, he fits the mold of an old Oakland Raider. Jesus. Yeah, that's a rough one, man. I'm kind of I'm glad um, this investigation is happening because it's like, you know what, it's, it's for your, the Raiders good. You know, yeah, let's, really let's just keep let's just keep trying to develop things. Let's actually let's actually make Tom Cable prove that he can actually develop something for once, which exactly. I highly doubt it, man. But I mean, and like I you said, like if they really one. wanted a guard, then use the draft. Like don't like thirty six year olds are, have no business on the Raiders roster. Right I was kind of shocked they didn't draft a single offensive lineman yeah. in that in that draft. Like not even late, but that's that's just how the chips fall. But whatever. But Matt, I think I should take I should transition this one. Um, so, last Saturday, I went to my first ever hockey game. I went to go watch the Sa- – yeah, I went Let's to get it. Go Sharkies, baby. I didn't even know that was a thing. I went to my first San Jose Sharks game, and what a, what a, what an experience to have it be Western Conference semifinals, um, game five against the Colorado Avalanche, and they won 3-2. And, boy, do I got to say – I had a blast. Hockey games are stupid fun. It had me like I just I just really want to understand hockey so much just because I don't want to feel like such a newbie out there. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I understand power plays and certain penalties. It's just some things I was like, er, <laughs> Scooby, <laughs> just like <laughs> like wasn't wasn't really sure about. But no, man, like that thing was so high paced. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't sit that close. I sat second row, like in the double digits. Um, second level in the double digit section, I was just like, wow, man, this game is so fun. And then it just got me started thinking because, you know, I've been born and raised in the Bay Area my whole life. Um, I spent a year living in San Jose for going to San Jose yeah. State. And so I, I feel like I've been to every sporting event, well, except for certain college teams. But in mm-hmm. terms of professional teams, I've officially been to every professional team's Let's go. Uh, games. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking who has the best game day experiences? And I got to say for me in terms of game day experiences, who's filled out by the time the, the kickoff starts for or whatever the game starts, who's actually filled nearly before it starts. How's the environment atmosphere? How are the people? How is everything? How is the, you know, how's all the hurrah? How, how is the experience and how are the fans like, and I got to say for sure, Matt, a hundred percent, the San Jose sharks are in the top are in my top three, of oh, yeah. fans and game day experiences. And in fact, I'll list it like this. Number one, the best game day experience between who fans show up and just overall experience is Golden State Warriors fans. Really? And I think I think that's because it's all Bay Area United. There's no care about who's split. And also because I'm also sent, taking it back to 2005 and 2007 when I went to a couple of games and I'm not even a Warriors fan. And so I just remember just the diehard fans, man. And I, and I live like... <laughs> around daily city so obviously you know this is like the almost the capital of like warrior fans essentially where they all just so passionate and i i I have i didn't grow up i grew up around more warriors fans than i than i did like giants fans and closely to niner fans so for sure number one in my ranking is the golden state warriors see i'm gonna have to i have the warriors ranked third and the reason being, I see where you're coming from with like the We Believe days. I was taking it more from the perspective of like if we were going to go to a game tomorrow. And I think with the Warriors, like they're still selling out. 
but those ticket prices have become so ridiculous that it's right. such a white collar crowd. It's just not as much. It's not the same like blue collar like everyone's getting up cheering, spilling your beer over the guy on the next to you. Like it's more of like the the baseball golf like like the golf clap. We're just gonna, yeah yeah. Great I think place it kind of pertains to where yeah. you sit there now because I know on the second level it gets fairly rowdy. Like and I'm a Lakers fan, so yeah, I, I go to like at least one game a year for the Warriors of for like over like the last five years. So it, it's it's still good. It still gets loud. Still there good. Personally, yeah. It, it's it's still dope. And I'm just saying like just because of how consistent they are, like it doesn't matter what day it is, who they're playing. It's it's the yeah. same thing. You're gonna get routine after routine, which is great. You want that for your experience and that's why i personally i just i just put that as my number one and number two honestly it's gonna have to be the san francisco giants it's gonna have to it's gonna have to be the san francisco giants bro and that's because um it didn't matter who how bad or good they were for the most part they were still like reeling in some people even before the world world series 2010 championship um I know, obviously, they were. It wasn't like consistently sold out as much as it is now. But like, you look from like 2009 to even today. Well, this this season, it's it's finally taking a drop. You you're that dominant in a market in the Bay Area for 10 years. You're doing something right, and it's not just the winning, and it's it's just how the game day experience. It's such a beautiful stadium. It's easily the best stadium in the Bay Area, dude. You got the look yeah, of the Bay is. Bridge, the, the the like in the city, the Bay, the beautiful Bay water. You can go in and out. You know the food there is pretty tight. Uh, the beer is stupid expensive, which I don't buy it yeah. there because I'm not paying <laughs> twelve, eighteen no, bucks. Get it, the guy selling Coors Light out of the cooler for like five bucks outside the stadium. All right, I'm not drinking Coors Light. First of all, oh come on, uh, second, come on, come on, live that's, a little. Electrolyte water, anyways. Um, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, dude, I got to I got to go with Giants as my number 2. So See, um I and, had uh, the Giants ranked uh ranked 4th just because whoop. like I get what you're saying and everything with the again and I took this from the uh perspective of this year and like you were mentioning this year the attendance isn't quite the same and just like with baseball for me, I don't know, it's hard to get like a great atmosphere when you have so many damn games. But I can definitely see where you're coming from. It's the it's the best um, sports arena in in the Bay, <coughs> hands down, hands down. That's why the Raiders wanted to go play there, kind of. So we got the Warriors as your three, the Giants as your four, <laughs> Warriors as my one, Giants as it's my two. two. Well, it sounds like we're going okay. inverted. So <laughs> I guess let me go with three and four, and then you go with your two and one, and then we'll just right. talk. So my number three, my number three ranked is going to shock you. It's not the Oakland Raiders. What? Number three rank in the Bay Area is after one game the San Jose Sharks. Okay, okay, and okay. That's I thought you were gonna say something else. No, 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 we were, no, no, we were no, gonna no, have no, to cancel no, the podcast. The we weren't here. making it to episode three. <laughs> no. It's okay, just, okay, okay. It's I can just, live with that. It's honestly, I mean, it's very like it's also a little bit naive, naive more so ignorant on my part because it's like, well, dude, you only went to one game. How can you start speaking? <laughs> well, it, it's not just that. It's just from. Just watching and seeing who's actually there, hearing about it, reading about it. I know, I know, like handfuls of people. More than that, sackloads of people that have gone to Sharks game. I have some. I know someone that has a season tickets for years. His dad, and he said, "Oh, dude, they always like, dude, it's always packed." You show me photos, and they've been a consistent fan base the whole time, win or lose, and they've been a pretty solid consistent very talented franchise for at least 10 to 15 years so to me like i said it's all like like i said about the game day experience but it's also about longevity 
who's been been doing it like longer yeah. about turn game day experience like if, it, it's different if if you wanted to say all right who has the game, best game day experience just within the last year that's a different mm-hmm. conversation yeah personally i'm just saying it just through the last like maybe 15 years or so when i've actually was able to like really like enjoy games so yeah. maybe i should have pointed that out from the beginning but regardless i had the San Jose sharks as my number three yeah, my number uh, my number one. Should I go number one or number two? I we kind of screwed up this. Yeah, screw it. We'll go number one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number one for me was I gotta go the Raiders. Like for me, like Homer. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, <laughs> totally I will kidding. take it. I love the Coliseum. I the Coliseum. What makes it great? Obviously, the football hasn't been great the last what fifteen plus years. What make what I love about the Coliseum is the people watching. And it is a straight party at the Coliseum. And, I mean, I can tell you my girlfriend is a Cowboys fan. I, whatever, say whatever you want. Um, But last year she went to the Niners and the Raiders games uh, for the Cowboys. I took her to the Raiders game. And the granted, or two years ago, sorry. But uh, the Raiders game was a night game too, which the Collie at night is an even different animal. And she was just saying, like, what I was talking about with, like, the Warriors. You know, there's just not much excitement going on in the stands and within the people. It's the same kind of thing with the Raider or with the 49ers. And then at the Raider game, she was like, I'm in like, I can see why you fell in love with this place. Like, <laughs> there's just so much going on. It's in a party. It's an event. Like, people are talking shit in the stands. Like, there are damn near fights every section. Like, I, I don't know. It's always been this like mecca for me. And it's just I love Raider games more than any other sporting event I've ever been to. Been to other stadiums, been to the Broncos, been to the Titans, been to the Niners stadiums. Like, and it's just not the same. I just love the Collie. I love it too much. I miss it. I'm already miss it, and they haven't even left. Well, I'm I'm with you, man. I mean, I'm not gonna. I didn't want to put the Raiders my number one because obviously I've been there, like been to hundreds of games. Yeah. I'm not gonna say like. Obviously, I'm not going to say, like, oh, just because I put the Warriors number one, I want to go to a Warriors game over the Raiders. Like, no, no, it's always going to be the Raiders game. Let me get that straight here. And obviously, yeah. Obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm picking this more just like who I've had, like, overall game dating experiences and all the games I've attended and also reeling in crowdsourcing from friends and just yeah. okay. what I've read. And number four, I'm going to match you. It, it is the Raiders. Um, okay. But that's only because, like, <clears throat> they were only mad, mad at, met at four. Because I feel like this whole notion that Raider Nations always shows up, but that's not true. They didn't really start showing up until 2015 after Derek Carr's rookie season, to be honest. And I could say after I have, I've had season tickets myself since 2013, and those were stupid cheap. There's a reason yeah. why the Raiders like have like the cheapest tickets bucks. in like all of sports. Yeah, dude. I sit in the lower level, and I think me and my dad got them for like way less than two grand. So, I mean... I just and I, and I even dating back further and like thinking back to the 2009 year where I remember like half the stadium was full. It was so bad they had to blot out Mount Davis. That that's the really the initial reason they blotted out, not because of egress. They just maintained it just because you know okay now it is egress. Um, I just think that this whole like we always show up and I, I'm not I'm not trying to knock them because it's like why show up mm-hmm. for a team that's playing like trash? Yeah, why are you gonna waste it's... your day when you can just stay at home, save money, watch the game, and do the same thing? So I'm not it's, it's not a knock on that. It's just it's just let's let's just call it what it is. They no one shows up when they when they're when they suck. 
I mean, yeah. now I will That's say true. over the last five years, even especially even last season when they sucked, it, they still pretty much showed up very consistently. So once again, if we were doing this, oh, like we're ranking it within the last year, then they're going to be number one or number two for sure. Yeah. But I'm just taking it for sure over the last 10 to 15 years. It, it was not – I did not see this consistency. There was – I don't know. That's that's honestly why I, I derailed it back at that this notion that oh yeah they're always there, but let's not forget that they were getting blacked out every goddamn Sunday. Yeah, no, there was tough I, times. There was definitely tough times. I mean, like you said, anytime the team's as bad as the Raiders were, like it's tough to get people to show up. Yeah, yep, for sure. My number two, I went with the Sharks. I used to actually, yeah. I used to work for the Sharks uh, for like six weeks. And then uh, <laughs> we'll get into that another time. But, I mean, I can tell you from experience, Sharks fans are passionate as hell. Like, you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. it from a California uh, hockey team. But they show up, and the Sharks do an awesome job with their game day experience. Like, I just remember even working there, I'm like, this is sick. Even though I'm at work, it was just the whole environment and, like, the whole stuff they do in their pregame. They put a lot of effort into it, and they so really commit. Sick. to They really commit to their season ticket holders yeah. and put in the best thing. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I and three, like I said, I had the Warriors. And then four, I had the Giants um, just because baseball. Like I said, it's it's hard to right. have a great game day experience in baseball. It's like it's hard to come up with 81 unique ideas for good game day experiences, which a bit plays a big role. That's fair. Yeah. And that's why also like um... – who obviously is missing out. Oh, actually, I don't want to be a spoiler. I'll be a spoiler. So let, let, let's go over <laughs> again. My number one, like I said, is Golden State Warriors. Number two, San Francisco Giants. Number three, San Jose Sharks. And number four, Oakland Raiders. So we're down to our drum roll. Last two. I wonder who else is left. Pretty much that we know who. Great on the pretty much, pretty much our last two. Um, Matt, my number fifth ranking is going to be the, uh, 49ers. Oh, damn it. Number five is going to be, <laughs> is going to be the 49ers game day experience out of six. So they are the second to last of the best, or at this point, worst game day experience in the Bay area. Um, and it's just mainly ever since they moved to Santa Clara, um, they would have been like, you know, they could have maybe overtook in the Raiders or someone else. If you included candlestick, cause the, few games i've been to candlestick because my uncle's a season ticket holder and he would just take me to games with, as a kid um it got loud in there like yeah. really goddamn loud dude and people that's the under underrated stadium even though that honestly i think was the really uglier stadium than the coliseum <laughs> they yeah. really needed a switch but, the stick was rough yeah but overall the, the atmosphere there was was just it was cracking dude it was loud people were in their seats people were rowdy and like overall weren't terrible like you think mm-hmm. most 49ers would be and now you go to the levi's where they want to be- build this elitist look like ties and suits and like iphones and all this crap i mean it's just no one's there at the kickoff dude i remember i was there for the raider niner game november 1st and most of them, there Rough. was more white and black in the seats than there was red and that was just shameful. It's like, dude, we're, we're overtaking you guys at kickoff. 
Like where? And this is for Battle of the Bay. You can't bring your fans to this game. Then, then what are you doing? And I remember my cousin, who's a diehard Niner fan, tried bringing this up, and like he showed me a Snapchat video. Oh, no one's at the games. No one comes to Niner games. But he's taking a video in the freaking concourses. Like, <laughs> dude, that's the point. Your fans are in the concourses. They're not yeah. enjoying the game. They're just walking around like it's a goddamn club or some exactly like, like, bar hopping or something. You're not sit down, watch, and even though the concourses are wide, which I wish I can't wait for Vegas, and that's no. I mean. I've been to a few bowl games at Levi's. I haven't been to a Niners game at Levi's, but from what I can see and what I've heard, and exactly what you're is exactly what you're saying. Where it's 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 again, it's that these ticket prices have become so ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. it's a social event. It's not a sporting game, and a regular season football game needs to be just a game. It doesn't need to be this pageantry, this event that they have going on. And I mean, it's a cool stadium, but. It's not like you said. It's not exact. It's like a mu- more of like a museum than it is an actual stadium, and that's why I had the Niners ranked last. That's fair. Dead last. <laughs> and you know what, Matt? You know what's an also annoying thing that people will say that oh, I don't want to go to the game because the sun hits me. Oh my like, god! Like, dude, don't bring that BS to me. Move like, out of California. Damn, like, at least fifty percent, fifty percent or more of the Coliseum gets hit with sun, and in fact, my section lower level. I'm hitting the sun. I'm getting sun dogged like almost like half the game, like October and earlier months. Yeah. (laughs) And and, like being the rookie I am, I forget to put sunblocks and I start peeling for weeks. But (laughs) yeah, dude, it's like, come on. If you're, if if you know the experience is good and especially if you know your, your team's like legit, then you're not going to care about it. But because they've been sucking as of recent and it's just like not a great experience, then they're going to just going to start nitpicking and throwing that as an extra out there. Well, you know, I'm just going to convince myself because they suck. Experience is not that great. And also the sun. Like, come on, dude. Like, using the sun as an excuse is low-key kind of lame. So I take it you got the A's last then. I have the Oakland Athletics dead last in game day experience. However, I will say that Dave Kappel has done an exponentially, fantastically stellar job the last three years making that place so fun. Once again, Matt, if this was um, – if this was – we're doing within the last year or so they most likely would probably be in my top three now because just because even though no one's really it's hard to knock the a's for why their fans aren't there because it is a football stadium you're not going to fill like fifty thousand seats for a baseball stadium but you you would hope at least 25 would show up um that's the reason why they're dead last because you 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 have all this space the tickets are the cheapest in the entire bay area in terms of sports even college teams are more expensive than certain ace tickets yeah. you can buy the cheapest one doesn't matter where you sit they rather you they'll let you sit lower just to make their cameras look better just for the optics if, and yeah if if you're buying an expensive ace ticket you're screwing up yeah you're screwing up dude just buy the cheap one and just walk down they don't care yeah, exactly and i mean it's just uh, I can't. I, I personally have fun at A games, and I have been getting funner every year. Like I said, because of Dave Cavill, you know, he's renovated both bars. He's added food trucks. Yeah. He's added so much They're sweet. So like the food there is great. He's added so much beer. It's almost like a tap room there. It pretty oh, much yeah. is a tap room. I love it. I've, it's it's so fun. I just go there with my friends. And it's just, you know, you, you switch seats, you watch good games. And the fact that they're good now is even so much fun. But once again, I can't let that overtake me and forget how it was 2010 to 2015. Even when they were good, it was still hard for them to draw exactly, a, an abundance. Yeah. I mean, you what know, was it? Was it? Like primetime days. What was it like? Was it last? Yeah, I think it was last year. 
they when they were in the run and had a big series with the Astros and the attendance was like less than ten thousand. I think 000. I was at that game, one Were of you? those games, dude. I was at I, I went to like a few eight, like three to four A's games last year and like none of even the Yankees won, dude. And the, here's the thing that whenever oh, they it's play all the Yankees high, fans. whenever they play the high profile teams, the all Giants, the, team. the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, all those teams are overtaking the Coliseum, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. that's probably why some of the Bay Area media here is thinking that when the Raiders move to Vegas, it's just just going to be the opposition because it's not really a football town or it's not really their That's home true. Yeah, I mean, and you know and i'm starting to as as, a, as i keep thinking more and more i'm starting to think you know oakland and maybe even the bay area is just the one baseball team you know it's just really hard I to agree. see but maybe if they build a new stadium they will you know if you build it they will come <laughs> you know maybe one of those situations i know i will go hell yeah yeah i mean um, i'm interested to see what they're going to do with the new stadium i think it's going to be a pretty sweet location but I mean, like you said, like it's it's hard to ignore the glaring problems the A's have had that getting people into the Coliseum, and it's not. And I mean, it's again with baseball, it's tough to get people to come out to eighty-one games, especially yeah. when the majority of them are in the middle of the week. But I'll I'll put a disclaimer that every game I've been to was always a Friday night, Saturday night, or day Sunday Sunday day, and it's. Once again, against high-profile teams, those are the ones I really want to come yeah. out for. Those matchups are good, and it's like it's still it's more fans or just less than us. And I mean, I, I will shout out the the what is it right field and the ace bleachers with the drums and everything. Those the bleachers when you go to ace oh, yeah. games. Those, those are, are the, those are the best. Those are those are the ones you really want to go to if you want to experience like everyone there is like they like to chant. That's really you got that's the guy with really the Lucha really Libre mask bounding yeah, the drum. Yeah, 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 yeah I love yeah, it. Those, those ones are cracking. I sat next to those guys once, and I had a blast. That was fun. Like in 2013, when the A's were like stupid raw. So I mean, yeah, like they really got to do a better job, and it's maybe it's a deeper route than it is. But yeah, the A's are number six and bottom last on game day experience for me. Yeah. Well, all right. Moving on to our new segment we want to introduce, which is my favorite thing I saw this week. Um, mine this week. I was watching game five of the Bucks game in Milwaukee, and I don't understand how the stupid stuff that goes viral on the internet goes viral, and this didn't. I'm watching the game. They It was a blowout, so of course they panned to Aaron Rodgers sitting courtside. So it's Aaron and Danica, and Danica is like reaching in her wallet, turns to like hand so the guy like a 20 behind her, and the guy just refuses it, and then hands her a drink. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And the whole time, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is staring straight-faced, staring stone-faced straight ahead of himself. And I'm like, that guy just alphaed Aaron Rodgers on live TV. I need to buy that guy a drink. <laughs> like, that was one of the best things I've seen in a while. I'm like, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers just got cucked. <laughs> yeah, he did. And maybe, maybe... uh. He kind of needed that little humbling with how he's been the last two years, but <laughs> that's hilarious, dude. I wish I saw that. Yeah, I I don't know how it didn't go viral. What do you got I, for us, Jose? Oh my god, that's so hilarious. Um, well, I wish I saw something that interesting. I didn't really see much interest. Well, you know what? That's a lie. I did see something interesting, and it also intertwines with my quack, or this time quacks of the week. <laughs> And Let's once again, go. for those of you who don't know, quacks are people who are little, who are those who are out there, you know, out there in left field. Like, what, like, what are you doing? Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> and my, and my people who are, what are you doing? Is today, the Laker fans who protested outside of Staples Center, like you idiot, you freaking morons, why are you out there 
scream. <laughs> First of all, who's out there? I saw there was only like 15 people there. They, the, the media, <laughs> they all tried putting this out yesterday. Like, oh, there's going to be a protest outside of Staples Center. Watch out or something like that. <laughs> And for the first hour, I'm, I'm looking at it, It's <laughs> there was like 15 people, man, and there's freaking Clippers fans out there trolling them just because, <laughs> and I don't blame them. If I was a Clippers fan, I'd go out there and, like, lick their tears off or something like Cartman did. And it's oh, like... God, that's and the best South Park episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That's pretty much what the Clippers are doing, though, Matt. Like, what the hell? These freaking... You're going to protest, like, number one... They don't give a damn about your protesting. Like, you're still going to go to the games. You're still going to go watch the – you're still going to buy their merchandise. You're still going to buy their tickets. And even more, you're going to you're gonna watch TV, which is where they really get their money from. So it's like, why are you protesting? It's a Friday. Get your ass back to work. <laughs> Stop wasting his money. And for all I know, probably half of them are all talking about, like, let's get this work. Let's get this grind. And look, I'm going to go get this grind protesting outside of Staples Center. Like, get out of here, man. Like, you guys are a bunch of quack. Go do something better with your life. Oh, my God, dude. I just, it was just hilarious. It, it's again, Pathetic. it's like, like you said, it's like you keep doing this, but a protest doesn't really work if you keep funding the people you're fighting. It, it doesn't. Like, what are you going to protest for? Like, they don't care. And, like, I, I also read a tweet before I even saw the real protest. Saying like, hey, if these fans really wanted to get their message across, they would have gone to the Lakers' actual facility where they're at in El Segundo. And it's like, <laughs> boom, duh. No one's using Staples Center except for like Taylor Swift or some crap. But yeah, man, that's all I have for Quack of the Week. And that was funny. That literally took place today. So oh, wow. that's hilarious. And so I think I believe that overall wraps up what we got going today. For sure. All right, like we said at the beginning, we want to make this as interactive as possible. Um, Jose and I, we know we uh, we have opinions and there are opposing viewpoints. So if you guys ever have uh, something that you don't agree with us that we say on the pod, comment it with hashtag hater of the week, and that will be your official application submission. And who knows, we might just have you on to come on and debate it. We'll give you two minutes of uninterrupted time to state your case, and then we'll get a little bit get back and forth after that. And move on from there. But yeah, submit your applications for Hater of the Week. Follow us on Twitter, at SweetFly. Follow me on Twitter, at MHolder95. Jose, what's your Twitter? where can the people find you? Oh, hit me up on Twitter, at J-S-A-N-C underscore 21. I really need to figure out a way to switch that so I can just easily just say it like how you did it. Yeah, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit easier when there's no underscore. I learned that the hard way. Yeah. All right. Anyway. We out.